Welcome to what the if If we sound exhausted this morning, it's because we've all been out on the track running hurdles. Uh, the tech hurdles. You're getting on the show on the on the air or in the air and mm-hmm. onto data bits somewhere. Into the fiber optic cables. Into the cables has been a nightmare. A nightmare. Uh, and so we're going to jump right in. Our uh, oh, first, but, but I cannot begin. I cannot begin uh, without it f- first uh, giving a shout out to um, our uh, newest Patreon member, Ken, uh, who has joined at the uh, uh, Joshua. You want to tell us? Do you know uh, he's joined at the Cosmic Vortex level? Yeah, which is five bucks Cartesian a month. Vortex, five bucks a month. What will Ken be receiving, Joshua? Well, Philip, uh, Kevin is going to have access to, first of all, our immense gratitude, the knowledge that he is, in fact, holding up the entire universe at this point, and he's going to get access to the What They Have newsletter, which is a fun monthly thing that we do where we send out a newsletter to all patron members talking about what we've been up to and just sharing some of the things we've been doing. And it will include his name in the credits, which is very cool. Kevin, so excited to have you on board. Yes, yes. Ken. Although Kevin, the uh, Kevin you mentioned, the fictional Kevin you mentioned, Joshua, might, it can maybe named Kevin in another universe, which takes us right to oh. the topic of today's show. But thank you, Ken. Yes, thank very you all smooth. for joining. Yeah. And also, I think, Ken, I think you're the one who... <laughs> Ken is not only a great Patreon and supporter of the show, but I believe, I could be totally wrong about this, Ken may be the one who emailed me last week and said, you mentioned Patreon, but you didn't give the full link. It's patreon.com slash what the if. What the if, all one word, go check it out. You can also just go to our website, whattheif.com, and you'll see the stuff about Patreon right at the top, along with all our episodes, all kinds of cool stuff happening there. So, uh, Check that out. We'll talk about Patreon a little bit later. Um, so we're going to... Today's show comes to us from today's universe. The one we're in right now. Universe meaning... Actually, maybe, maybe Matt will be able to help us. What does that mean when I say universe? As, in particular, one universe of many. Um, but uh, the mystery... The mystery uh, at hand... Um, has to do with cartoon bears and um, great civil rights leaders and uh, anything from, from there, from the most magnificent to the most mundane. Um, and it come, came to us from Joshua. So Joshua, why don't you set us up? What's the... Uh, Joshua Reinstein, by the way, our new staff member. Everybody should Hello. give a shout out. Um, Woot! helping us with all this incredible new uh, stuff that's happening. So Joshua says, you know about this thing, which I didn't know about, but everyone else here does. So tell us what's happening. What's the mystery at hand? And then we'll launch into the if. Well, first of all, can I just say that all the best things start with cartoon bears? 
Okay. All right. That's a bold claim. Um, that just as as mm-hmm. a general rule. As a general rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the uh, the Mandela effect is described basically as the idea that several various instances or occurrences in history have been switched around so that you might collectively remember them happening a certain way when they've actually been something different. And one of those cases is this uh, interdimensional conspiracy that's been going around the internet where the Berenstein, the Berenstein Bears, you might remember, a children popular children's book, um, the Berenstein Bears have always been pronounced Steen. But a lot of people get the misconception that that the um that is their name but when in actuality the name of both the bears and their authors is credited as baron stain and oh, so, so the authors it's not just the characters but the actual authors real people their yeah. real name is baron stain stain is the yeah baron stan stain. and jan baron stain so stan um, and jan have stumbled <laughs> i would i'm sure there's something out there with them we have to look up but Stan and Jan, first of all, the fact that there's a couple named Stan and Jan uh, is great. That's a great name. Just oh, sure. because, hey, Stan and Jan, everybody. Can know. Mm-hmm. Um, so Baron Stain Bears, right? And so um, the idea is that they, this memory of there being another pronunciation, which is weird, so weird. Like, who cares, right? But this, is, this has really gotten built up to something where it's evidence that we were in one that in we were in some universe where it was Stein, Berenstein, and then now we find ourselves in the universe where it's Berenstein and nobody knows where it happens. And so, what the if? Our universe jumped the track, as it were. And the so-called Mandela effect is real. Now, what we do on this show is, what to help clarify, Matt, we haven't done this in a while. Uh, how do we, here's, a, here's one of these, we do this occasionally. We take on some sort of bizarre phenomenon, whatever, which is clearly ridiculous. I just want to state that from the beginning. It's bizarre ridiculous mm-hmm. but we rather than toss it right into the round receptacle for further non-research um we say you know what let's run with this what possible benefit could come from that why do we do this matt and what are we doing here well what we're doing is we're toying with the very nature of reality we take some feature of of reality as we know it and then we change it up so what if i had six fingers instead of five uh what if i was unable to fly um and then we run with those consequences uh and thinking through the consequences of that hopefully we learn something interesting along the way. i saw what you did there and that was awesome huh. about the flying um right and 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 gabby what what does any benefit come out of this if so what what benefit will we will the listener gain by sticking with us and, and hearing us talk about try to try to apply real science to this uh kind of myth yeah i mean so the idea of exploring something that's just whacked out and gonzo is that along the way we have to try to ground it in reality in some point 
Uh, and so that's where the science comes in. And that's where uh, the discussion about, well, how feasible is this? How can you kind of tweak it? We're basically like the podcast Mythbusters. We don't get to blow stuff up, although I kind of wish we did. Um, but that's sort of the idea here. That along the way, in trying to talk about something really crazy, you learn something that's actually really true. Yeah, that's good. The way the way I think about it is, it's a um, <clears throat> it's like a, a teachable moment where we dare to uh, we, we do wear proper safety equipment, and G- Gabby guides us in that. You know, what's all the proper equipment for dressing up safely for taking on pseudoscience, for instance, and um, um, but in discussing it uh, in terms of real science, eh, what if because because we can say this in real science when we you are pursuing real science you are pursuing things if you're taking on the big questions they are really out there and we don't know the answer so anyway real science shakes out that'll be clear as we go so um, mm-hmm. the Mandela effect the first thing I want to do is change the title uh, of the effect not just for clarity but for my own uh, personal le- uh, level of rage against this thing. Um, it's funny. We should probably explain why it's called that first stuff. Ah, good point. Right. Josh, do you have a, a sense of why, it, why, why it's the, gotten what, named that way? Yeah. The Mandela effect. What is that? We, I thought this was about bears. Why are we talking about yeah. so Mandela? It's, uh, it's, it's not actually just about bears. The, um, the whole idea of the Mandela effect started when there was an ongoing rumor going around that Nelson Mandela actually died in prison instead of living until 95. So his health issues during this time in prison have been a long debated uh, sort of chaotic thing that happened when the there was something in new, the news, I think. They said that the uh, Nelson Mandela the way, died he, uh, on the 3rd of July in 1991. Right. He lived till 2013, yeah. actually. He lived yeah. until 2013. Yes. Um, so, and so it would be weird for, you know, it would be one thing for one person, an author, to be mistaken about someone's death. But the, uh, the, the, the error comes from the fact that he was a really famous man in the country. And, and this, was a, um, this was a South African author writing this. And why would the editor of this professional journal why wouldn't he notice this observation? And so that was kind of the first of these, of these little conspiracies that started happening. Um, and that's why the, the whole concept of the name comes from Nelson Mandela. Right. And I find, well, I want to point oh, out that ahead, conspiracy Kevin. might be a little, a little bit too much. I don't want to give people like the wrong impression of what this is. Right. Cause the idea is not that the Mandela effect is a conspiracy to alter history or something like that. It's a, it's a collective misremembering. And the idea, if you subscribed to this uh, idea as something relating to parallel realities, is that you sort of gently slid from one reality to another, wherein you, if you are one person who's misremembering this, maybe you did come from a reality where Nelson Mandela did die in prison, as opposed to living until, was it 2013? Um, So that's kind of the the idea, not that it's a conspiracy to overwrite or change history in some way, but rather that it's some slipping between parallel worlds is the bumbo jumbo of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In which in a, a somewhat of a shout out to Schrodinger's cat, Nelson Mandela suddenly went from being dead to alive. So I, I find it, uh, it's just a personal pet peeve of mine. Nelson Mandela was a great man, extraordinary person. And I find the fact that his name gets sullied by being dragged into the 
namesake. <laughs> it's really the Berenstein Bears. I like right the Mandela. I just can't believe it. But but this is how it is. This is how the world is. This is the universe we wound up in somehow. Uh, so I have a new name for it, and I'm going to call it the Meshugana effect. Uh, the Meshugana effect. Meshugana is. Um, uh, I don't know. Are either are any of you aware of this? Aware of this term? This is this is a word that my grandmother would throw around. Oh, sure. Uh, well, and the beauty of Yiddish is that every word sounds like what it means. So even if you don't know what Meshugana means, you can tell, right? <laughs> yeah. Meshugana. You're a Meshugana. Meshugana is a crazy person, or that idea is Meshugana. I mean, this is just crazy. So the Meshugana effect. We're going to investigate this deeply. We're taking a hard and cold look at it. So, um, Matt, why don't you help us begin here? What if the Meshugana effect is real? And for the sake of this thought experiment, it is. Um, what do we? What, what does that mean? Where do we start? Well, so this is. I mean, this is a, a metaphysically tricky situation because what does it mean to say this is real? Um, if by real we mean um, the Berenstein Bears w- was the Berenstein Bears at one time, and that changed. Um, uh, or that uh, the collective misremembering is real. Um, it's actually a little hazy, I think, tracking down exactly what we mean by by real on this. Um, it sounds like because if we're going for collective misremembering, that's a social psychological explanation, right? Um, so then the reality we're chasing is why it is that large groups of people remember something differently, but in the same way. Um, If we're doing the parallel universe explanation, um, then that's something entirely different that suggests an actual change in physical reality. That is what the cover of the book said. Um, It was different 30 years ago than what it says now. Right. I think it's the parallel universe thing that is the most, uh, that is the the thing here, because that is, Without that, it wouldn't be as people wouldn't be quite as riveted to it. I think it's, and I would also say, in terms of <clears throat> misuse, misappropriation of science <laughs> or quantum mechanics and all kinds of things, this there, there's where the greatest abuse is happening. <laughs> you know, there's so much um, about this. So, uh, if it was a parallel universe, it means we were. This is what it means if we were in a parallel universe. If, if I understand it correctly, first we weren't. We were just in a universe. And the bears were called Berenstein bears, and da, da da da. Then somehow, you, the listener, shifted into another universe. Uh, in my mind, as if it was on a parallel track, like a, you somehow jumped a railroad track over to another one, the neighboring one, where everything is incredibly similar, but very very subtle things are different. Suddenly, you're in the universe where they, the bears, were always called the Berenstein bears. And the, and the name was printed this way with this particular spelling and so on. And uh, the reason I say just you, the listener, is because, no, I guess that a lot of people had to do it, right? I was going to say it's just you jumped, but no, it's a See, lot of that's people. That's the thing, because there's, that's right, large numbers of people have to have all shifted. Right. Um, whereas the, the library books did not. Right. Um, so we, our consciousnesses seem to maintain some connection to the previous universe that we were in, whereas the physical world around us did not. Um, so there's some very specific kind of. That's the double whammy. Popping going on. That's here. the, yeah. I must say, this is, 
to me the coolest part of this idea, the idea that you could jump into another universe, which, by the way, we've had Sean uh, and I, you know, I suggest everyone uh, go to whattheif.com or, or scroll backwards on your uh, podcast app through our earlier episodes, and you'll find uh, an episode we do with Sean Carroll all about the many worlds hypothesis, um, and, and uh, he's great in explaining that, but the idea that there, you know, basically the, the universe keeps branching into other things. But, but in the way he conceived it, and I think the way most you know, real physicists conceive the many worlds hypothesis, if they take it seriously, does not include our brains having memories of having, well, in fact, you never were on any other path. It's your single path brain. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the parallel universes, in the sense that, say, Sean talks about it, is a branching model in which one universe splits into two different ones at moments of decision or change. Right. So when the author of When Stan and Jan say, What should we call the bears? Um, the universe splits into two, one in which they're the Berenstein bears and one in which they're, they're Berenstein bears. Right. Um, but there's, so those two universes then share a history before that point, right? Everything that Stan and Jan did up to that point is the same for those two universes. And then it's different from there on out, but there's no sense of communication between the two universes once they split. Right. So that's the, that's the weirdness. And this echo, this echo, this sort of remnant that remains in your brain somehow from the other universe is pretty amazing. Actually, well, so Gabby, did you, do you, what are your thoughts? And have you, how have you, the first time even you heard about this theory, what was your reaction? Uh, as a general theory, I think it's kind of, you know, mashugana. Um, but I think it's, I think it's interesting to talk about memory in general. Um, because, you know, really you can kind of perceive of what so much of the human experience is, is memory is what you remember of what happened to you. Um, but memory is really fallible in a way that people don't often think of. Um, so part of the way that memory works, at least as I understand it, is whenever you remember something, you're not necessarily remembering it as it happened. You're remembering the last time you remembered it. Um, so things can get really, really wonky sometimes. Um, and the kind of prevailing theory about what actually is happening with the Mandela effect is that people kind of fill in the gaps. If you don't really know exactly what happened, you kind of make your best educated guess. And something like, you know, being a kid, reading this book that you kind of remember, um, and then growing up as an adult, you kind of remember generally the name, Berenstein, Berenstein, but Steen last names, last names ending, that sort of ending are way more common than stain. So you're probably just filling in the gaps. I don't remember the book too well. Uh, I think it was Berenstein because that's way more common. Um, so it is a collective misremembering because we're collectively filling in the gaps with information that we all collectively have, uh, that we know that those last name endings are more common than the other ones. Yeah. Um, so I think it's interesting more as a kind of social phenomenon and the way that we use memory and, you know, also kind of interact with each other because people perpetuating that it's Berenstein for years when they write about it or stuff like that is, uh, and accidentally realizing later it's Berenstein is only kind of helping the idea that this is a, a much more of a phenomenon than it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I should say scientists have been spending a lot of time studying memory. This is something we're understanding a little bit better as, mm -hmm. as Gabby says, 
you know, we, we think of our memories as being like books, right? You, you write the memory on the page and it stays that way and you put it on the shelf. And then when you take it off the shelf years later, it's all the same. And that's not how memory works. Um, but rather our minds reconstruct memories, uh, like instead, instead of the whole movie, your brain stores a few frames of an event. And then when you recall it, it generates that incident anew. And because of that, as, as Gabby says, um, your brain fills in gaps. Um, that's not, that doesn't mean you have a bad memory. That's just actually the way the brain retrieves information. Um, so every time you retrieve a memory, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, so there's this, I think it's the, so it's the collective aspect here that's particularly odd, right? Is that it, it's strange that everyone's brain is reconstructing this. Yeah. And I also find it interesting in that generally we, when we have a mismatch between our personal memory and a tangible record, like a printed book, we defer to the printed book because we know that our memory is fallible, right? Yeah. So particularly with the example of the Berenstein Bears, I find it very interesting that looking at the actual books does not persuade people that they're wrong. That's right. Which would be my instinct is <laughs> people to look at it and say, oh, I was wrong about that. Instead, they say, oh, there's something, something changed, right? There's something weird going on here. Um, and I don't know what it means that people are doing that. Kind of <laughs> but... Um, but I take it as a hopeful thing. I think it's that people are interested in, <laughs> some people are interested in science. Others are at least interested in cosmological phenomenon or just we, I mean, I think that's what's so compelling about mm -hmm. it. It's basically, it's, and I think everyone who, as they're talking about the topic, even true believers or not or whatever, would say it's super fun. It's super fun to imagine. Like we're actually playing game now some people if you're a hardcore believer or whatever and you believe in it great but the thing you're believing in the thing you're really insisting is real is this really magical thing in a way something out of a mm -hmm. science fiction book right that we or novel fantasy sure. whatever that we have remnants of an alternate past and in fact i was thinking well, one thing i love it, about what we do is this goes back to even our very earliest what the if things is that we take a, let's take a, the times we do take a pseudoscience idea and we say, okay, it's real. Therefore, and I think this is the kind of thing that the discussions around the pseudoscience idea often don't take into account. Uh, and that is that for this to be true, um, it would mean that not only, yeah, some, that there were these books that were published, but in fact, I, I was just looking up. So, uh, um, the authors, Stan and Jan Berenstain, um, were married for 59 years, which is kind of amazing. Wow. There, you got to, I don't know why mm -hmm. you have to go beyond that. That's just an amazing thing in and of itself. <laughs> just stop there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want an amazing cos cosmological phenomenon. And therefore, it had to be false. Um, but uh, Janice, uh, her original name was Janice Grant, right? And she married Stanley Berenstain. But what this means is that if this theory was correct, the entire actual Berenstain, <laughs> yeah, Berenstain family lineage would have to never have been Berenstain. There had to, there could have never been a Stan named Berenstain. It would have, it would have been Berenstein 
And so you'd go all the way back. Let's I don't know their actual history, but let's say that they went. Uh, you could go back to. Uh, I've, I've been watching Tenet, this uh, Christopher Nolan movie, which uh, I'm only halfway through it, but I, I just couldn't. Well, uh, th- that's apparently just unwatched the first half, and that's the. Same I was going to say right? I isn't could. That, isn't that the whole shit? Yeah, possibly, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I could do that. Um, so. Uh, but I can imagine going backwards in time all the way to Ellis Island. Let's suppose the family, <laughs> the Berenstain family, had come to the United States from Europe and gone to Ellis Island. And, and there was a moment where the guy at Ellis Island wrote in beautiful calligraphy, you know, the name. What's, what name will you take in America? Berenstain. And suddenly it's erased and it's changed to, mm-hmm. to Baron. What? Completely lost it. I know. I can never remember which <laughs> where way it goes. Where it goes out, right? But, um, and, you know, what I also find amazing is I feel like there's no way that Bruce Springsteen would have escaped, that his family would have escaped this, you know, tsunami that went through the Steen stain. Anybody named sure. Steen or Stain, right? Would it be Bruce Springsteen? Could be. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Albert Einstein. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Albert Einstein? Albert Einstein? Albert Einstein. Joshua Reinstein. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, your That's name. my name. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a specificity uh, here, which is also part of the puzzle, I think. Right. Um, why some, some things were changed and some were not. Um, Especially when you think of how far back you have to go in order to technically make that change. Right. Mm, uh, right. If, if they were going all the way back to Ellis Island, as opposed to when the publishers made the book, they misprinted it. Because um, in a way, I think that would be maybe the easiest way. That yes, it's Jan and Stan Berenstain, True. actually, but the publishers misprinted it, and they already made a bunch of books, so they're just going to go through with it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's one of these things, too, where, you know, every single second is such a roll of the dice for so many different things. Um, yeah. so yeah. those realities, even when they branch from the first time are continuing to branch in a trillion different ways from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that yeah. you've wound up on a branch that is so still so parallel to reality that the only, that to our reality, I guess that the only thing that's changed is the name of this, you know, two children's book author duo. Um, that's wildly improbable. <laughs> uh, on top of the already wildly improbable of the fact that you just sort of jumped the tracks and wound up in an alternate reality one day, you know, yeah. icing on the cake. Yeah. Right. And, okay. Yeah. So I think the, 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 the lesson of doing this, this exercise is just that, which is this, um, uh, hopefully renewed appreciation of how intertwined everything is, um, in that you can't really change one thing about reality um without all those other things being connected to it as well um and that's both philip as you were saying over time right we have to go back to ellis island um but then uh cross things too right there's books that imitate the berenstein bears right there's ripoffs so do those change too um what about all the berenstein merch Right. Does my Berenstein Bears underoos change too? <laughs> um, and if so, why those and not my Aquaman underoos? Um, and why doesn't the the worker in the underoos factory know that they're changing one thing yeah. and not another? Right. I mean, these all these things tie together very tightly. 
Um, and there, there aren't many things in our life that are actually totally isolated and can be changed without consequence. That's true. That's by the way. And I don't know why I had an image of Aquaman being named Aquaman, and now he's a superhero who only swims around in the water pipes. This is bizarre. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> kind of, I, I thought you meant like mane of hair, and like, oh, well, Jason Momoa does, does have a fabulous. That mane. would be appropriate. That, that would be totally. That's probably what was going on in your head. I see that totally. Um, uh, and, and for those who don't know, when, when I just sort of glibly referred to Ellis Island, and, and we have, I know we have a lot of listeners outside the country as well. Ellis Island is kind of the main port of entry for immigrants. Um, and uh, you know, at the turn of the 20th century, millions of uh, people, so especially if we live in New York where Ellis Island is, and there's this you know, huge buildings over there. There's a museum. You go, and then we, that's where immigrants would arrive by ferry, by ship, and um, declare the name that they would pick uh, while entering the United States. And you wind up with fun stories. One reason why there's a lot of immigrants named uh, um, Rose or Rosen um, and other variations of that is because of they had to pick. They could pick any name they wanted, and Roosevelt. People, everybody thought if you named Roosevelt, that'd be a great name, and so lots of people <laughs> chose just variations of that. Interesting. Um, but uh, the other, <clears throat> excuse me, the other aspect, and I think we can we can sort of walk into this one area. Um, are you okay going to uh, a few more minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, in this timeline. Good, thank you. In another timeline, everyone just freaked out and ran. Um, yeah, that happens. <laughs> If you're listening to that show, by the way, as soon as recording of that, I bet that's hilarious. Uh, um, I do really love the notion that our brains can contain memories of other universes, our experiences in other universes. You know, like that is super cool because if you allow that, um, I think it's it, it, I'm going to assume, uh, Gabby, it's the same in biology as it is, for instance, in physics or astronomy, where if we observe, as I understand physics and especially astronomy, let's say, let's say astronomy, if we turn on a telescope and boom, immediately, you know, observe something unusual, mathematically, we say, okay, that must be actually quite common. Um, uh, so is, is it the same in biology? It's like, which would mean that if this is true, that our brains contain memories of this one shift, it must actually contain, it must be a common thing to be shifting parallel into parallel universes. I mean, kind of, yeah. It's more the thing that, like, you know, um, biology is very context-dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, yeah, sure. Like, if you see somebody, I mean, good example with the pandemic, if you see somebody with one variant that's, of concern and has cropped up, chances are there's more people with it. Oh, uh-huh. um, yeah. Like I think, yeah, yeah. Right. Just as a general thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of holds. Right. Right. Like, I guess actually if we even, if we hear, Oh, in South Africa, there's a new variant. It's very common in their population. We tend, we, we feel certain that. Uh, yeah. Gonna- and I mean, honestly, I actually think I'd read later that it popped up for the first time actually in Europe. Um, uh, but the early, they found a sample of it way earlier in just like patient stuff from Europe as opposed to from South Africa. Right. So, yeah, they found it in South Africa, but it doesn't necessarily mean it came from there. Right. So, it was the yeah. Omicrane variant. Thing, and then it yeah. became Omicron. <laughs> um, uh, but 
you could no longer here, here i found i just realized it gets so confusing so suppose you just and i encourage everyone to do this for the next 5 seconds just sift through your memories of the recent you know let's say past few days and imagine that one of those is from another universe that you're no longer in <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> like, strap me down because I'm about to go insane. Uh, you know, you you can't. Um, a, we it, it not only takes the fact that, as we know, most of our memories are false in some way or another. Most of them are super incomplete. Anyway, that's another big part of it, right? It's just super these scraps of things. But the fact that they could have come from other universes, which means they are true and not true at the same time. Or true for that universe, but not for this universe. I don't see how we could function. Uh, that would be very hard to function that way. I agree. Yeah. And in fact, there's... Um, sorry, Gabby, go ahead. I'm trying to remember a, a thing. I was going to say, there's a book. And there's an off chance maybe we're talking about the same book if what you're book, remembering yeah. was a book. Um, there's a book uh, called Recursion by Blake Crouch that actually deals yeah. a bit with this. Mm. Um, where essentially people are plagued by what is called false memory syndrome, um, but actually winds up having a mechanistic explanation in the book for what's going on. Um, and it really, really messes with people uh, because mm-hmm. the way that the mechanic works is when they get to the point in time where the divergence happened, um, where say say you, uh, say you someone died in a timeline where they didn't die in this current one that you're in, when they get to the point where they would have died, they suddenly remember, oh my God, I died. Um, and this really affects people. And so there are changes that are small, but they compound. Um, so the one person whose life changed when they were making the decision about what they wanted to study in college, instead of becoming an actor, they became an architect. Now there's brand new buildings in the New York City skyline, and it freaks people out because they just appear. Um, so the, you know, our entire senses of self are really constructed on our memories of the past. If you kind of erased every little tiny building block that went into who you are, all of your memories, how would you really know what person you are um, and what you like, don't like, stuff like that? Um, and so when you start eroding memory, um, it really messes with people because you don't have a construction of who you are, what your identity is. Yeah. And I think that probably helps explain why people are so interested in this thing, in the Meshuggah effect. Is that um, the the because our self is created from our memories? The idea that our memories could change or have been changed or somehow different means that we've changed, right? It says something different, not just about our history, but about who we are. Um, And whether that's exciting or terrifying, I guess is probably different from person to person. Um, But the so it's not just that the the stakes of the question are the title of a children's book. Um, but it is the very nature of yourself, um, of, of who you are and how you connect to the world around you. And those are big things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was, I do enjoy, I'm glad that one, th- the thing that people are fixated on a lot is this, uh, this effect. And pe- there seems to be a good humor about the whole thing around it. Um, but you don't have to go too far to find a very dark side of it. I mean, growing, when I was growing up, was it like in the eighties in particular false memory syndrome became a big thing. And there, you know, there were uh, and being in the documentary world, there were lots of documentaries going on, following people and discovering that uh, people were being sent to jail 
you know, perhaps for life or, you know, for huge crimes mm-hmm. that were totally false, were, were, conc- were, came up in psychiatry sessions or through hypnosis, you know, of who knows what level, you know, might even, be, even been as legitimate as you could make hypnosis or something. It was all done with good intent, perhaps, but that people were imagining other people committing crimes and then being sent to jail. And it wasn't until decades later that some of these were finally unraveled using actual evidence um, to get them out of jail. Anyway, it could be a very dangerous thing. And there are societies that manipulate this. I mean, ultimately, Orwellian societies do this, um, get just getting out of bed in, bed in the morning, right? <laughs> it's like we're going mm-hmm. to erase things from history. And, to, and right, The Russians would literally erase people from pictures. And say that they were never there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. So that's the conspiratorial version of this that we, we talked about briefly at the, uh, at the top of things. Yeah. That's right. Um, is that there's lots of kinds of explanations for these mismatches right, right, right. between reality and, and our memories. Um, and which kind of explanation you're willing to accept is something you need to, to grapple with uh, early on. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think lastly, I would say as an educational thing, I think it's important for people to realize that uh, the I- idea of many worlds or parallel universes is not, um, I want to say not ridiculed. I'm sure there's people that ridicule it, but there's a lot of real science being put toward it, right? Or at least mm-hmm. theoretical math- uh, th- theoretical physicists um, are investigating it and we don't yet have any experimental evidence of such things, but it's taken very seriously. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Sean Carroll's book, uh, something deeply hidden and we had him on the show. Um, So those are good starting points. If if people want to engage with that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Gabby, how how does this whole thing leave you uh, feeling? I mean, personally, I feel pretty good since I never put too much stock into it. To begin with. Um, but I think it isn't, like I said, I always think it's interesting to think about, you know, memory and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, just how much we rely on it and how little we seem to know generally as a collective populace about how easily it can be tricked. Yeah. 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 Matt, how are you? How are you feeling? Um, Having endured the Meshuggah effect for a period of time. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm okay. Um, I mean, I've, I've, as a historian, I spend a lot of time, um, having to deal with, uh, people's memories being imperfect with historical records being imperfect. Um, so I think there's a, there's a sense in which this is only a, a shocking effect if you expect all records of the past to be perfect and consistent. And I don't particularly, so I'm not especially upset by it. Right. Right, right. That's actually a good. By the way, that we didn't really go into that, but I just I will put that out there as an amazing takeaway for me uh, when I started doing documentaries and and on on historical subjects. Um, I thought, oh, I'll read all the books about this subject when I, when I did this thing about Einstein um, that Matt mm-hmm. worked with me on. I figured I'd read all the books on Einstein. There were quite a few. And um, then I would interview all the people. And yeah, there might be some discrepancies, but they would be very minor. And But I would feel like I got the definitive story of his life. <laughs> just just reading one book, you realize there were multiple <laughs> t- 
retellings mm-hmm. of a particular event, let alone multiple books and multiple people. And yeah, none of it, none of it adds up. And if you want to throw multiple universes onto that as a factor, well, I think it's like, I just say, hold, hold the door. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've to be hold door at that point. Um, so, uh, Thank you, Joshua, for dropping this very uh, mind-bending if into yeah, our sure. into our fully protected laps. Absolutely. Um, and Philip, I, I do just want to add yeah. after that that what what you said made me start thinking about it. Um, it's really interesting that the community aspect of this that people have latched on to these um, these things and they've sort of taken it. They've rallied towards this cause. These simple minor errors in public consciousness that they've just sort of rallied together and said, we believe that this is the right way. This is how the Berenstein bears. This is, this is how it was meant to be. And just that whole, that aspect, the community aspect of people coming together from around the world, uniting by this cause that they believe in, which is really kind of a minor cause. It's not even that (laughs) it's, it's not even really that serious, but people, just unite under it because they believe in it. And I mean, it's just really interesting that. Yeah. They, or they find so it interesting. Even they yeah, find it even, so interesting that they have to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But be careful as, as uh, Neil Tyson always tells us, it's great to have an open mind, but not so open that your brain falls out. Be careful, right. <laughs> be careful Hand, handle with care. Um, well, lastly, let's give a quick shout out to uh, um, our newest Patreon member, Ken. Thank you so much Ken. for joining us. Everyone else is welcome to join us at uh, patreon.com slash what the if, all one word. Um, uh, Patreon, if you don't know, it's a crowdfunding platform. Basically, if you ever watched PBS in your life, you remember the telethons or things like that. It's just a way to, uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to help us, um, Keep going, which would be helpful, uh, let alone expand um, as well and do more things and reach a wider audience so we can carry on our ultimate mission of just having fun and doing science communication. Um, it would be fantastic if you signed up. Uh, there's all kinds of fun rewards. Uh, Joshua, real quick, what kind of thing can people, what kind of, what do people get? What's the merch? Well, do, you want to, do you want me to say the real merch or... The, the real uh, merch. My own merch that I've invented. Okay, so one of <laughs> we have hoodies, we have t-shirts, we have mugs and stickers, all sorts of things that you can ever imagine based on the What the If logo. So, with, the, um, yeah, the, with the What the If logo, yes, exactly. And we have fun with that. Yes. And, uh, and if you manage to branch into the, the, the universe that Joshua is occasionally in, there are other objects as well. So I encourage you to explore that. Patreon.com yes, slash the, what the if. In the, in the dimensional rift, there are so many other things that you can have. We have bikes with our uh, logo on it that you can <laughs> actually buy right. and ride around on. Yes. <laughs> those are amazing. Those are, we'll be featuring those in a future Dimensional episode. bikes. That's how I got here, actually. I took a dimensional bike over to this one. I, I got to get one. Um, Matt, anything you want to plug? Any lectures? Uh, Actually, yeah, let me see here. Um, On uh, January 28th, I'm doing a a lecture on Einstein for One Day University. So you can go join us for that. Cool. February 8th, you mean? 
Uh, no, January, January 28th, 28th, January 28th. Okay, yep. great. And I'll put, we'll put a link to that on the show. Uh, and that's, uh, Einstein, uh, E, not Einstein, right? Einstein, right? Yeah. Um, although if the spelling gets you the same deal, then you're good for it. Um, check that out. Those are great, uh, lectures. Um, Gabby, anything you would like to plug? Not yet. I'll see in a couple of weeks once I have a date for something. Um, but the current plug is just to get vaccinated, uh, stay safe. There is still a plague going on. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Regardless of what dimension you're from, that's not an excuse. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, would you lead us in the closing ritual where we attempt to uh, hold on to this universe as long as we can, but it's difficult? Yes, you start sifting through all the letters from your exes, and you realize that the stories they're telling about the past don't quite match up with uh, the stories you tell about your past relationships, and you realize that, oh my god, maybe you were the jerk the whole time after all. You have no choice but to scream in horror. Blood! I look forward to uh, seeing you next week in all the universes. You can't help it. Whattheif.com. Check it out. See you next week. Thank you, Patreon. Thank you.